0: This morning, we, we turn our attention once again to the communion uh, table, and it's not really a table because we have little cups in the cup holders in all of your chairs, uh, and so we're going to do it that way. But I'd like to take a few minutes as we, as we do to prepare our hearts and to consider why it is that we do this. It's not sp- specifically a, Christ- a Christmas message, but it is a message that pertains to the reason why Christmas even exists. And so, as we read the familiar passage that comes to us in 1 Corinthians, we read these words. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. I want to focus our attention just for the few minutes we have here on just one word. Proclaim. As we approach uh, the communion ceremony, there's many different things, many, many different focuses that are sometimes presented to us as, as the appropriate thing to do in, in this time, when we prepare, when we think about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and as we eat this bread and drink this cup. Sometimes uh, we've been encouraged to focus on examination of ourselves, as it says there in verse 27. Um, whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of Christ. And that's appropriate and important to come with, with clean hearts, with hearts that have accepted the grace, that have accepted the message that this cup represents. Uh, other times we've been, we've been focused more on the give thanks, and, and that's clear in, in verse 24. Um, Jesus gave thanks before he broke the bread, and, and we likewise give thanks. How can we not be thankful as we remember what God has done for us uh, as represented in this ceremony? Sometimes, maybe not in the middle of a church service, but in the back of our minds, we know that there's a lot of controversy around this as well. Uh, in the Christian church, we have traditions that go all the way from, from this is, is just purely a, a symbolic thing that helps us remember to this is a sacrament through which you receive salvation. And there's a lot of fuzzy ground in between. And the words themselves, as they're exple- expressed to us here in Corinthians and um, and described in other places in Scripture are are not entirely clear on what exactly that means. But there is one thing that's very clear. In this passage where Paul quotes the words of Jesus, he tells us exactly what the intent is. And it's not ambiguous. Or he tells us, maybe more specifically, what we are doing. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, what are you doing? You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The focus in the text is on proclamation, proclaiming what God has done. So whatever else we have in mind as we take this cup and eat this bread... It's not ambiguous. It's not hard to understand. It's very clear in the text that what we are doing is we are making a proclamation. Other ways in which to, to translate that portion is we're making an announcement, or we're preaching a message, or we're telling, or we're making known the Lord's death until he comes. And so in this way, each one of us becomes a preacher as we, as we proclaim, as we do this together. Now this should come as no surprise to us, as we as we uh, cast our minds across the entire biblical story, and we can go all the way back to the first specific call, and we understand that in the in the story of Scripture, the first chapters of Genesis build a foundation for us in which we can understand the world that God created and how he created it and how it functioned and God's place in it and the human place in this creation, the first chapters. But then in chapter 12, it becomes very specific. God addresses one man. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the first example we have in Scripture of a very specific word of God to a specific person. And it carries with it a huge promise. An immense and intense blessing for Abraham and his family. But we can see that it's, it's very clearly not just for him. It points outwards from Abraham to all nations. The promise given to Abraham is for all people. It's a proclamation. It's a message. It's a telling. It's an announcement that all nations will be blessed through the offspring, which we know is Jesus Christ. Now, there's many points we could stop at in between, but we don't have time this morning. We're going to jump all the way to the gospel promise. As told by Luke in Luke 24, verse 46, Jesus told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and raise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And here again, clearly, it's an individual message. I mean, the only way we come into the knowledge and the experience of this message is by personally accepting this, by personally believing that Jesus Christ is our Savior, that he has died for us. But immediately upon that message reaching us, it becomes outward focused again. It points out, you will be my witnesses. And when we come to this thing that we have been doing ever since, in many different ways, in many different churches, in many different traditions, the words are very very clear. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, the lord's death until he comes you are my witnesses at the at the clearest point of the passage in 1 Corinthians we can see that that's what it's about it's about becoming witnesses of what jesus has done it's about being witnesses even in this moment this morning As we look at our own church's vision statement, united in Jesus Christ as we grow up, in, and out, I think it also becomes clear. The red arrow representing the blood of Jesus Christ that brings us into relationship with God and points up as as an encouragement to us to continue to grow in our knowledge of God and our relationship with him. And as we grow in that relationship with God, I don't think it's possible, even just as we've looked at, at three very brief scriptures, it's not possible to, to grow deeper in your knowledge of God without finding out very quickly and very evidently that he's looking outwards. He's not in relationship with you just for you. He's in relationship with you because you will become a witness. You will become a proclaimer. So as we know him, we are automatically pointed outwards in that golden arrow towards the harvest. And as we grow in our relationship inside the church, in the green arrow, the discipleship arrow... Um, as, we, as we get to know a few believers well and begin to encourage one another on towards love and good, good works, what is the first thing? I mean, I mean, you all know the answer to this question. When you get to know a few Christians well enough that you're going to sit down together and say, what would you like me to pray for you? There's many things that come, but, the, but something always comes to the top of the prayer list. Would you pray for my brother who walked away for the, from the Lord? Would you pray for my son or my daughter who's not close with God anymore? Would you pray for my uncle who's never bent his knee to the Savior? It's always the thing we want one another to pray for. So as we grow in our relationships with one another in the church, we're immediately pushed looking outwards from ourselves. So really, we draw it as three arrows, but it's just one. It's all one thing and it's for us but if it's genuine it always points us outwards from Abraham to Jesus to the very clearly proclaimed reason why we open this why we take the time in this time when we're not supposed to pass plates around to fiddle with these lids that some of you have not yet gotten into <laughs> why bother? why bother? because we are proclaimers. And Jesus said, by doing this, you proclaim my death until I come. And that's why we do it. There's there's all kinds of other things attached to this, but that is essentially what we're up to this morning. We proclaim. We proclaim to God in our prayer in these next few minutes. We proclaim to one another in the church family as we do this publicly in front of one another. And we proclaim to a world the good news of Christmas, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, you give us good news. That good news is is most clearly seen in the person of your Son, Jesus Christ. We see your good news throughout your word, but we see your word most clearly in the Gospels. The historical event of Jesus' life, your Son on earth, And he instructed us to remember. And as we remember, to proclaim, to be witnesses of what you've done. To not keep it alone to ourselves, but to pass this message on. With grace and mercy to one another in the church, and with grace and boldness to those outside. do we take this bread remembering that your body was broken. We take this bread remembering that you have called us to join in your suffering as a form of making your word known. And we eat it together to proclaim your death until you come. Amen. So if you take that top lid and pull it off. Jesus broke the bread and took it and ate it and said, remember me. Let us pray once again. It was not enough, Lord Jesus, that you would just suffer, but you gave your life. You gave your blood. The Lion of David became the Lamb that was slain. Bringing together all of the things of the old covenant and the sacrificial system into yourself and becoming the truth, the reality to which the, towards which those things pointed and made it possible for us to come close and fellowship with you and one another through the through this blood. We thank you, we praise you. Amen. Let us drink together.